The Quiet Garage, a show dedicated to books and their authors on Main FM 94.9 with your host, Paul J. Laverty. Hello there, listeners, and welcome to 2020, and welcome to another year of The Quiet Carriage, 94.9 Main FM show all about books and authors, with myself, your host, Paul J. Laverty. I hope the holiday season was a good one for all of you, and you've been coping with all the heat there. A couple of announcements. Um, We are keeping this slot, the Friday, 1 p.m., Uh, That's when you can listen to us. And also, we'll be repeating the show now on Mondays from 4pm. And that's on 94.9 and also mainfm.net. And something else that I'm very excited about will no longer be available on demand on Mixcloud. Instead, however, will be on Spotify. That's right. All episodes from last year and all upcoming ones uh, this year will be on Spotify. They'll also be available on Google Podcasts as well as Pocket Casts to make it easier for you to listen back to all the shows. Just search the name The Quiet Carriage and you'll be able to find it. Today's episode, it's a big one. Later on, we'll be catching up with members from the Elphinstone Book Club to have a nosy at what they get up to. But first... Invisible Boys is a book that has really got people talking over the past year. It's already scooped several awards, the City of Fremantle Hungerford Award, the Australian Council's Kathleen Mitchell Award, and the book also scored its author Holden Shepherd uh, spot at the Raycop Varuna Residency. Um, now, a little bit about the book. According to its publisher, Fremantle Press, it's an emotional tale of identity, sexuality, and suicide derived from personal experience about three teenage boys who struggle to come to terms with their homosexuality in a small Western Australian town. A little bit more about the book. On the surface, nerd Zeke, punk Charlie, and footy wannabe Hammer look like they have nothing in common. But scratch the surface, and you'd find three boys in the throes of coming to terms with their homosexuality in a town where it is invisible. Invisible Boys is a raw, confronting YA novel that explores the complexities and trauma of rural gay identity with painful, honest, devastating consequences, and ultimately, hope. Now, a little bit about the debut author. Holden Shepherd is a YA author originally from Geraldton, Western Australia. After graduating from ECU's writing program, Holden won a prestigious Art Start grant from the Australia Council for the Arts in 2015. Invisible Boys won the 2017 Ray Cop Residency Award, resulting in a writing residency at Varuna, the Writer's House, in early 2018, and was also highly commended in the ASA Emerging Writers Mentorship Prize. In 2018, his short fiction and journalism has been published in Indigo, Page 17, Huffington Post, ABC, DNA Magazine, and Faster Louder. His novella, Poster Boys, was selected for the novella project, six, number six that is, and was published in Griffith Review 62, All Being Equal. And I'm very, very happy to have Holden Shepherd himself on the line all the way from Western Australia. Holden, thank you so much for talking to us on The Quiet Carriage. G'day, Paul. It's a real pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Brilliant. Now, your book, Invisible Boys, has been huge for you. Uh, Released, I understand, in 2017, but it's still selling, it's still gaining accolades, and it's still being talked about. Um, As wonderful as it is, are you surprised at all by the the huge reception it's received, considering it's your debut? Uh, yeah, so Invisible Boys has basically been winning awards uh, since 2017, uh, but actually only came out uh, in 2019. So right. it's uh, it's been picking up awards as a manuscript, which is insane um, and really overwhelming and a little bit of pressure as well. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I, I'm really blown away that uh, upon release, it's actually found an audience and mm-hmm. people are really clicking with it. And it feels like, you know, the world is kind of ready for a story that's maybe as open and mm. as raw as this one is. 
Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I've never covered um, YA before on the show. I always wanted to keep it as a show based on pure adult fiction. And YA isn't something I'd, I would generally read. Although having said that, I really loved, um, you know, The Spectacular Now um, by Tim Tharp and uh, Me and Ooh. Earl and the Dying Girl. Um, yep, can't yep. remember the author off the top of my head. But, um, but like I said, I just heard so much about this book. And when I, when I sat down and read it, it just did not disappoint at all. It really is an incredible piece of work. And I thought so controversial for, for young adult fiction. I mean, it's got sex scenes. Um, I think you dropped the C-bomb in there once or twice. <laughs> did, did you find this hard at all to get published? I mean, what was, what was the journey there? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and something that people always... Uh, are fascinated by is that you know how how is this YA mm, and yeah. perhaps you know perhaps it, it it kind of is YA and it kind of isn't because mm-hmm. it does I agree it kind of pushes the boundaries a lot mm. uh, but I so I wrote this book you know it's about three teenage boys growing up gay in Geraldton and and I wanted to do a story that actually does justice to what it's really like mm-hmm. I wanted to tell it like it is I didn't want to sanitize I didn't want to do kind of a a sweet little gay romance, which, you know, there's, there's totally a place for those kind of stories mm-hmm. as well, don't get me wrong. Uh, but I really wanted to show, you know, what it felt like uh, for me growing up gay in, in Geraldton and, and, and how it feels for lots of young men and, and, and any LGBT kids, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to kind of show the real life. And, you know, real life is messy and dirty and it doesn't always conform to what adults think teenagers should be doing. So I didn't want to shy away from that. I didn't want to pull any punches uh, so yes, you know, there's there's graphic sex, there's there's wanking, there's porn, there's, you know, there's mm-hmm. all kinds of um, real teenage stuff. These are rites of passage, and these are parts of the coming of age process. Mm-hmm. So it was really important for me to show all that. And yes, there are there are a couple of C bombs that made it in, but I uh, I did have to edit a few of those out. Yep, yep. That's that's what strikes me uh, most is the bravery that you have as a writer. It's something that I really wish I could possess. Um, writing is so unabashed, but it's also justified. I felt. Did you did you have any thoughts or you know fears that maybe you should hold back at certain points? Well, I I think any any writer any artist can have that bravery. And to be honest, for a long time, I didn't. Right. I, I used to write very safe kind of stuff and, it, you know, it didn't get published and, and now I understand why because I wasn't willing to be brave enough to put myself in there. Mm-hmm. So when I kind of did take that step of, of going, you know, there's no sacred cows. I don't care what people think of me. Uh, I don't care what my family thinks of me or my work or my mates or anyone. I just want to write what I feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, once, I, once I took that on board, actually, it was, it was easy to do. And it felt actually empowering. It wasn't as scary as right. it had always been my whole life. So doing that and writing that in that way felt really good. Um, I didn't I didn't shy away. I didn't want to back down at any point, but I did make a conscious effort. So like once the book was written, as you said, it was kind of um, done in 2017 and, and starting to win awards as a manuscript at that stage. Um, you know, my family and people I knew were saying, oh, well, can we read it? And I actually said no to everyone. Right. Um, because of that exact thing, I thought, what if, I just don't want to hear any voices from people saying, maybe you should take that out. Maybe that's a bit too embarrassing or too inappropriate. Uh, I didn't want to hear that and I didn't want to be dissuaded. So I actually kept it completely secret until it was released. Right, right. And how much of your own personal story is in the book? If any. There, that's a really good question. There is a mix. I, I kind of say that this book is based on the emotional truth of what I went through. Right. So the, the feelings, the thoughts I had are pretty much the, the feelings and thoughts that Zeke, Charlie and Hammer, these three teenage boys, mm-hmm. uh, experience and go through. But the events and the characters are made up. Mm-hmm. So the story is fictional. The characters are made up. So I kind of couched my own my own story and my own uh, feelings and, and my experiences of growing up gay and, and you know how that how that hurt me and how that traumatized me in some ways and I kind of put it into fiction so I didn't have to quite tell you you know which of the which of the embarrassing sex things for example are real and which of them are made up yep. um, because there there there's probably half a dozen things in the book that are ripped from real life and. Yep. 
um, I like the fact that I don't have to tell anyone which ones they are. <laughs> right. <laughs> I love the the characters' names as well. You know, Charlie Roth and Hammer in particular. Without any description, I already had a picture of these guys in my head. Which um, which of these characters do you think you mostly align with? All three, for sure. Okay. Uh, but I really love that you you get that sense from the names because I, I you know, I, I, spent, I spent time choosing the names, so I'm right. glad it kind of worked out when someone reads it. Yep. But these, uh, the, the three boys basically I conceptualized as, as mind, body, and soul. Right. So Zeke is the mind, Charlie's the, the soul or the heart, mm-hmm. and Hammer is the body. So right. each of them has different processes of dealing with what it means to be homosexual. Right. So that was kind of how I drew them out. In terms of me, they're all parts of me. I'm a bit of a geek, I'm a bit of a punk, I'm a bit of a jock. Mm-hmm. And, and they're all aspects of my own self. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of depends on when people knew me in real life, which one they think I am. So people who knew me in high school uh, come up to me and they say, oh, clearly Zeke's based on you because you, you, know, you were really shy in high school. Mm-hmm. And people who knew me as an adult think I'm Charlie and, and people who know me at the gym and at footy go, oh, well, you must be Hammer. <laughs> so it's, um, it, it's all three, to be honest. Right. Right. Can you see yourself revisiting these characters later? I mean, will, will there be a sequel? Uh, the answer is possibly slash probably. Right, good. The, the, the idea for this book, uh, well, actually, basically the idea I had for a book was going to be these characters uh, a little bit later on when they're a little bit older. Right. And I started writing... Uh, hammer as a teenager just to give me a bit of a you know i just want to have a practice run so mm-hmm. i'll just write uh, a short story about hammer when he's a teenager realizing that he's attracted to men mm-hmm. and it just never stopped so right. I, I just kept going and it became the whole novel right. so invisible boys ended up getting published so the idea i had with for the second novel is still sitting there oh brilliant yeah so i suspect you know if there's enough demand and if a publisher wants to publish it um when I get around to writing it, of course, um, and yeah, there'd probably be a sequel of some form at some stage, which right. sounds super vague. I know, sorry. No, 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 no. But I can, I can definitely see that happening. Definitely, I could. I can also see actors really love playing these characters. Has there been any interest to adapt it for film or TV? Um, really exciting stuff happening. There, there right. is some interest, which is super cool. Uh, but it's the kind of thing that. At this exact second, I can't talk much about. Okay. But it, there is certainly interest in, I mean, that's a dream come true to have a story adapted for the screen mm-hmm. uh, and see real people playing my characters would just be phenomenal. So uh, I really, and I agree, I think, it, you know, you could really see three very different actors playing these three boys. I think it would be amazing. Yeah. I, I mean, I would love to see it, but I'm biased on the author. <laughs> Uh, but I, th- I think it would be a really cool adaptation. Yeah, fingers I think, crossed. Yeah, I think a lot of people would love to see it. Um, the story itself, it made me think a lot of my own time at school and the boys who I went to school with who didn't come out till later and also how homophobic it was when I went to school back in the 90s. It was just the norm, you know? Do you think it's getting easier to be young and gay? Yes and no. Right. I think... Yes, socially, we have come a really long way very quickly, mm-hmm. and it's definitely gotten easier. If I think about my experience, I graduated high school in 2005. Mm-hmm. If I think about how it was then, it was definitely a lot harder then than it would be now. Um, it was probably easier for me than it was for you in the 90s, and mm-hmm. you know, for you in the 90s, it's probably easier than someone in the 70s. So we're getting progressively better, I, I believe. It's becoming much, much more welcoming and accepting in Western culture. Mm-hmm. However, I think I think the thing that, you know, we look at the things like suicide rates for, for kids coming out or, you know, or for kids who don't come out. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but in generally, we know that this is a really hard time for a teenager. And I, and I think the hard thing about being gay is that even if your society around you is fairly accepting, sometimes, for me personally, I didn't want to be gay. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I was a teenager, I didn't want to be different. You know, like, I really resisted it. So it took a long time to actually be okay with myself. Mm-hmm. And so I think for a teenager, for any teenager growing up, that's probably often going to be the experience. So the, the more welcoming and the more 
normal we can make this, the more we can communicate that you're okay just as you are and that you can't choose your sexuality. Mm-hmm. I think that will continually lead to better and better outcomes. Mm-hmm. But I think it's important that we are doing that. That was Daniel Nogren with Why May I Not Go Out and Climb the Trees. And now we return to my interview with Invisible Boys author Holden Shepard. Given the success of the book, do you feel any pressure to be a role model now for for young gay men? Yes, I have uh, had a few people say, oh, you're now a role model. And Mm -hmm. uh, being the kind of guy I am, I kind of go, no, I refuse. I'm not going to be a role model. (laughs) Um, Because uh, for a number of reasons. But uh, I I do feel like part of writing this book and part of kind of showing up publicly is that I can potentially help other people see a different way of being gay, perhaps. Mm-hmm. We see a lot of stereotypes of um, what it means to be gay or what gay culture is. Mm. And uh, so I think by showing up and just doing me and and writing these stories authentically, um, if that helps other people kind of go, well, I'm very much like that and I get that, then that's a really cool thing and I'm happy for that. Um, I struggle with role model stuff because I like to break the rules and I like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I like, I, I like uh, you know, not doing what I'm told. So someone says the word role model and it's like a little red flag for yeah. a, a punk ball, you know. Um, but uh, generally speaking, you know, if I can if I can help other people by what I do or uh, showing up as I am, as authentically as I am, mm-hmm. um, then I'm I'm very privileged to do that. I'm very honoured to help other people kind of process their trauma. Mm. To be honest, that's a lot of the messages I get from, from people who've read the book is a lot of gay men who read this book and they realize that you know they hadn't processed a lot of the trauma they went through and, and reading this book kind of helps them get through it and they thank me for it and so i feel yeah. very uh, honored to do that and i feel very grateful yep that's good you've got quite a, a colorful description of your hometown geraldton in the novel what has been the reception there i was really worried actually because 
the 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 way I've written the book is, you know, warts and all. So I've kind of mm. shown every part of my hometown. And I was really worried that people would read it and think, oh, my God, you hate Jero. And that's, um, that's totally not the case. I'm like, I still feel like a country boy. I, I reckon, like, within about five minutes of someone meeting me, I've said something to the effect of, like, oh, and I'm from Geraldton. Yeah, right. um, because I just still feel like that, that's who I am and it's a part of me. Yep. And I, I loved growing up there. So uh, when I've gone back, I've actually been really lucky. The, the events that we did there as part of my book tour mm-hmm. last October – uh, it's sold out. So there was Great. a huge response from the Geraldton community. People really got behind the book. And the probably the coolest thing is that my old high school, would you believe, <laughs> the Catholic high school, uh, they actually invited me back to do an author talk. Wow. Uh, which was, I mean, phenomenal. And I don't think that would have happened even five, ten years ago. Exactly. Yeah. That's incredible. Uh, do you, how often do you go back to Geraldton? Uh, I used to go back probably every two or three months because my folks still lived up there. Yep. Uh, but they've moved down to Perth a few years ago, so I probably go kind of two or three times a year now. Yeah. Uh, so I still visit uh, relatively regularly. It's right. uh, it's nice to go back and see mates, but it's it's a really odd feeling to go back to your hometown yeah. and stay in a hotel sometimes. Yeah. So um, <laughs> it, it's it's a really bizarre feeling. So I, whenever I can, I just stay with mates or <laughs> some, yeah, someone yeah. I know. So yeah. it feels a little bit more like home. Yeah. I think everyone has that sort of love-hate relationship with uh, where they grow up, don't they? Um, mm. do you, will you always write gay-themed stories or will you will you branch out? Um, I, I suspect I will always write gay characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's because I, I have tried... So I wrote a book before Invisible Boys, which is not published. Right. And I was very much trying to not be vulnerable and not, you know, uh, I had a very conscious thought that I don't want to be a professional homosexual, believe it or not. Right. Um, and so I tried to kind of distance myself from that because I, I thought, well, I'm not just my sexuality, I'm more than that. Uh, however, once I started writing kind of authentically and, and writing about what I wanted, my writing got a lot better. The emotion behind my writing was a lot more authentic. And I realized that actually I should write what I want. And what mm-hmm. I want to write is, is gay characters and gay stories. So mm-hmm. um, I used to be worried that publishers and readers might not want to read that. So that's why I tried to kind of, you know, hide it. Uh, but actually, basically the next four or five books I have kind of lined up are all, if they're not a gay story, one of the main characters is always gay. Right. So that will continue to happen. And I think throughout anything I write, there'll always be a, a gay protagonist right. of some form. Yep. And do you think you'll always write young adult fiction? Um, that's a really good question, and it's a, it's something I've been playing with lately. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, okay. I, I'm very drawn to coming-of-age stories. Mm-hmm. So if, if the coming-of-age story happens when they're 16, which is Invisible Boys, then that's the age of the characters. Um, if they're 18, which is my second book that I've, I've just finished, mm-hmm. um, then that's the age I'll focus on. Mm-hmm. Um, if there's a coming of age story that hits me and the characters are in their early 20s or something, then mm-hmm. I, I would go for that, and I guess it wouldn't be YA. But mm-hmm. um, that, uh, what I'm drawn to is kind of that, you know, that, you know, that life-changing coming of age mm-hmm. kind of tale um, that seems to always be the thing I fall back on. Right. So I, I don't know if I'll always be a YA author, strictly speaking, but you know, those themes will pretty much always be there. I'll probably always be kind of crossing over between YA and adult. Yeah, yeah, because I, I honestly didn't think the book was YA at all. Um, so. No, I, I look, a lot of a lot of readers and a lot of critics have said basically like, yeah. look, we get it, YA, because there's teenage characters, mm. but this feels like adult fiction in yeah. a lot of ways. Of course, yeah. What were your, um, who were your heroes growing up, your literary heroes? Uh, literary heroes, I... I mean, it depends what age we're talking. Um, mm-hmm. If I was, like, when I was little, I used to read, like, Emily Rodder. Mm-hmm. Um, and I used to love the Teen Power Inc. books when I was a kid. Right. Um, growing up kind of YA, I read a lot of John Marsden, so Tomorrow yep. When the War Began in that mm-hmm. series. Um, and that really, that, like, rocked my world. Like, not, it was, it was a cool adventure war story, but it was also mm-hmm. really character-driven and, and really... Uh, really vulnerable and really had a lot of raw emotion. So yeah. I really dug that kind of whole series. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I guess more recently, in my kind of early adulthood, uh, people like Christos Chokas, so um, right. his book Loaded, was mm. a huge influence on Invisible Boys. Yeah, it's great. Uh, Timothy Conagrave wrote Holding the Man back in the 90s. Yes. And yep. that that's the first book that ever made me cry. Right. And yep. I remember just sobbing. Like, I finished the book and I was a mess because <laughs> I, I, I had never read something about, you know, a gay love story mm. in Australia that that was so honest and, and poignant. So um, so those are the books I've kind of grown up, you know, loving and hoping yeah. to kind of emulate, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And what's an average day writing for you? Is, is there an average day? Um, there's not really. I'm, I'm, I tend to be what's called a binge writer. Right. So I, I used to, like, I can do regular things like 5am writers club, for example, Right. Um, where I will wake up at 5am and I'll write, you know, maybe 1,500, 2,000 words. That seems to be roughly what I can churn out in the morning. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the day. But usually that's for short fiction. So if I'm writing a short story or a novella, uh, I can wake up at 5am and I can work on it in, you know, short, measured, very disciplined kind of uh, blocks of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when it comes to novels, for some reason, I just can't work that way. So... I tend to binge, so I will kind of put a month aside. Mm-hmm. I have done something called NaNoWriMo. I don't know if you've heard of that before. Yes, I have, yep. Yep. So, so that's you write uh, a book within either, 30 days, is, is that correct? Yeah, so you aim to, write, you know, you, or you, you aim to hit 50,000 words within 30 days, and then right. kind of, so I'll try to hit my 50,000 and then keep writing after that. Yep. So um, Invisible Boys was written like that. My first novel was written like that. And this uh, my next book that will be coming out, is uh, was also written in the same way, and I just tend to go into the like really get in the zone for say four weeks in a row or a couple of months, and just the whole world becomes the book. Right. And I'll do all nighters, and I won't eat properly, and I won't <laughs> sleep properly, and you know, like yeah. everything else suffers. Yeah. Um, but for those couple of months, I'll be totally immersed in the world of the book, and then as soon as I'm out of there, I'm kind of done, and I don't look at it for a few months, and then have to revisit. Yeah, yeah. And can you tell us what your what your next book is? Uh, yeah, the next book is a uh, similar kind of category. So it's kind of, it's upper YA, pretty much pushing crossover again into adult. Right. And uh, it's a story of, it's about five teenagers. And it's more about friendship and identity. Mm-hmm. I... I could say so much about this book, um, but it's a little way off. It's, it's not yet. Um, it, I've just sent it to my agent, in fact, so we haven't even kind of put it to a publisher right. at this stage. So um, there may be changes, so I don't want to say too much more. But okay. basically, it's a, a similar kind of emotional vein as Invisible Boys. It's probably less dark. It's definitely less, um, right. definitely less suicide-themed. Um, a little less dark, but just as vulnerable, for sure. Right, right. And... 10, 20 years off, where could you see your, your career heading as a writer? Uh, New York, baby. Really? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I, tend, I, I was asked this question once, um, um, uh, or something similar to this, you know, after I won the Hunger Fit Award for Invisible yeah. Boys, and I kind of said, oh, I want world domination, and yeah. the interviewer said, ha that's funny, and I was like, no, no, I'm serious. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, that's really what I want. So um, that's probably the truth. In, in 10 or 20 years, I would really love to, you know, have my books published, not just in Australia and New Zealand, mm-hmm. but in other territories across the world um, and translated and, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be really, really cool. Not just because I could then make a living off it, but I think it would just be amazing to get to travel the world and, and yep. you know, do that all in support of your books would be just a dream come true. Yeah, great. And you're not moving back to Geraldton anytime soon? Um, I have actually floated the idea a few times to my husband, but he right. has uh, vehemently blocked me. So <laughs> yeah, right. Um, he's he's uh, he's much more of a city guy. He, yeah. he absolutely loves the city, and uh, I don't think I will ever be able to move back uh, without him kind of stabbing me. So right. yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, I think for sure. I mean, I'll always visit Joe, and I might even go back for a month or two at yeah. some point when I can. Um, I'd love to write a novel there. Yeah. I'd love to kind of sit there one day and, and maybe rent a place out and just uh, write a whole novel while I'm back home. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, no, unfortunately, I don't think I'll be committed to to, to move back to the country. Right, right. Holden, thank you so much for, for talking to us. Um, Invisible Boys is the book. Um, to our listeners, do not be put off by the YA tag. 
as like I said, I, I really think it's an incredibly brave piece of work and it, it should be compulsory reading, I think, on, on year 12 lists. Um, so thank you so much, Holden, and, and best of luck with the, with the next release and hopefully we can talk to you again about that. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure to be on the show and really appreciate it. Thank Brilliant. You. Oh, and just before I forget, uh, do you have a song request to leave us with? Uh, yeah, look, I'm, uh, I'm a fan of Alanis Morissette. She's coming to Australia soon, so um, her new single, Reasons I Drink, would be awesome. Brilliant. Here it is. Thanks, Holden. These are the reasons I drink The reasons I tell everybody I'm fine even though I am not These are the reasons I overdo it I have been working since I can remember Since I was single digits Now, even though but no idea tennis australia's open court sessions are a great way to meet new people and play social tennis with a killer soundtrack 90 minute sessions include on and off court time on court different tennis activities to the music of your choice off court you'll make new friends over a drink or a bite to eat the best bit just show up and your local tennis club will host the night you don't need any equipment or any tennis skills just come and have a hit wednesdays from 29th of january 6 30 to 8 p.m book online at play.tennis.com.au slash open court sessions castlemaine lawn tennis club a proud sponsor of main fm Lifehouse are designers of simple, serene buildings. We craft spaces and forms that are sympathetic to the environment in which we live and to the needs of our clients. They connect with the eye, mind and soul. Our firm of designers focus on the best energy-efficient outcomes, producing beautiful, unique buildings. Contact us to discuss your project 
you can find us at lifehousedesign.com.au. Lifehouse Design, creating smaller footprints, award-winning passive solar design and a proud supporter of Main FM. Drop some knowledge on you. Yeah, we're kind of all in a world really where, you know, everybody's talking and nobody's listening, but thanks so much for your attentive listening. Listeners? Listening is an art that requires attention over talent, spirit over ego, others over self. Because listening is practice, it takes work, it takes effort and concentration, and that is a gift that you can you can offer the people around you. Main FM. And now for a segment on local book clubs. And here in the studio, we have Sue and Cassie. Thank you for coming in. You're welcome, Paul. Thank you for having us. Sue, you are the fundraising coordinator at the station, keeping us on air. But I understand you've never been behind the mic. Is that true? No, I have been behind the mic. Not very often. Only when Suzanne insists that I be behind the mic to talk about Radiothon and all things sponsorship. Yes. So, yeah. So you've done this for a while. Yeah. I, I, I know that I need to adjust my mic before we go to air. And um, I've done that. <laughs> well done. Yeah. And Cassie, this is your first time here. This is my first time, That's yes. That's fine. So you're here to talk about your book club. What's the name of your book club? It's the Treehouse Book Club. Mm-hmm. Yes. I don't know actually where that name came from, but yeah. Yeah. I think maybe because it's got something to do with the fact that we live in Elphinstone. Oh, There's lots right. of trees out there. Yeah. yeah. So is it, it is exclusive to Elphinstone mm-hmm. and um, there was talk about... Um, expanding the book club, but that involved travelling to Castlemaine, which we didn't want to do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, as a result, it's um, it's always remained with um, in Elphinstone yeah, with right. people who live there. So, how long has it been going before before you guys joined? Or no, I was one of the founding members, mm-hmm. and so was I. Um, right. someone reminded me at our most recent book club, which was last Saturday night, mm-hmm. um, that it was two thousand and twelve. So. Yeah, wow. we've been yeah, going for a, it's a while, a fair while now. It's a lot of books mm. being read. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. And how many members? Are we've got six. Six. Yeah. Six at the moment. A few have come and gone. So if someone leaves for whatever reason, we fill that spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, where do you meet? Do you take it in turns? Yeah, houses? we go yeah. from house to house. Mm-hmm. So whoever presents the book or chooses the book Mm -hmm. that's whose house we go to for a debrief for a big debrief (laughs) yeah (laughs) and that usually takes us an hour or so to get to the actual debrief because um you know we're sort of be honest yeah (laughs) (laughs) you know we're catching up with sort of local 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 goss and then um we'll launch into our book club discussion but we have decided that um we did decide some time ago that we needed to uh, start talking about book clubs sooner than what we used to because we'd often get carried away. And and, oh yeah, must talk about that book, mustn't we? <laughs> right. so. Yeah, it depends how book how good the book is. Yeah, mm. yeah, right. And it's Saturday nights. Generally Friday. It depends. Okay. There's some okay. um, one of our members works on a Friday night, so mm-hmm. she's often late to come. So if she's hosting, then she'll request that it's a Saturday, but generally Friday nights. Yeah, yeah, which right. works out well. And what sort of shape does an average night take? Do you have a do you have a do you follow How a much certain detail format? Well, when does it start? Seven thirty. Seven thirty, and yeah. then when do you get to the book? Is it maybe are you strict with it? Or do no, we do no. it on we're not or? strict. We did yeah decide <laughs> to talk about the book a bit earlier, mm-hmm. so we have it's quite a lot of. Prosecco <laughs> yeah, had right. before we get to the book. Great. Speak for and yourself. Why? <laughs> oh, <laughs> and that, and that's Liar. why because we we sort of we did get carried away with other conversation. It's yeah. like, okay, let's get back yeah. on track. Uh-huh. Um, so I think within the hour we would generally launch into. Oh, let's say an hour and a half. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And what sort of books do you read? Do you have a specific genre? I mean, is no, it thriller? No, it's really, really diverse. And I think that's probably the best thing mm-hmm. is having so many different people and just choosing books that you would never mm-hmm. read in a million years. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, my God, that's my new favourite author. Yeah. So it's, it is. We have – and we've had some weird 
like some very weird genres. Lesbian crime fiction. Okay. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that was a genre. (laughs) Yeah. Vampire sex. Yeah. That was another one. Yep. Right. Yeah, and we've had a few dystopian novels. We've had too over many, the years, too many dystopian novels, and and that's the beauty of it too. Because I mean, I I quite I you know, wasn't um, across too many dystopian novels, but since um, reading so many, I actually quite like that as a genre. Whereas mm-hmm. Cassie would probably disagree. Mm, I hate it. And I, I think that's disagree. great about having six members. Um, it's not too many, so you can always get your opinion across, mm-hmm. and. Um, yeah, and it's surprising too because there's, you know, people that would ch- choose a book that you wouldn't expect mm-hmm. from them as such and then, um, yeah, and then it turns out to be one of the best books that you've ever read yeah. and you wouldn't expect that book from that particular member. Yeah, that's so, when it's exciting. Mm. Yeah. Right. Mm. So if you can rack your brains, what's been a real highlight in terms of books you've read? you think of anything? The Road, for me, was yep. a standout, and Raymond Carver. Um, right, love Carver. Yeah, so do I, mm. but you're you're not a big fan of no, Carver. No. Yeah. Mm. yeah, no, still traumatised <laughs> by that one. But we did love Dorothy <laughs> um, Parker. We did like, yes, yeah, her sh- yeah, her sh- yeah, 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 that was great. Um, yeah, there's just been such a wide variety. One of the recent ones sorry, we read was A Little Life. I can't pronounce her surname. Okay. Um, that was a bit traumatic. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that was fairly full on, that one. Uh, what are some others? You have to we, bring out the journal. Yeah. Have there been any stinkers? Oh, oh God, plenty. Yeah, yeah. plenty. But Jenna McMartin. What's her name? <laughs> Jenna Martin. Oh, yes. Yeah, Ray Martin's daughter. Ray Martin's oh, daughter. Right, yeah. Actually, no, we probably shouldn't say that. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was a friggin' shocker. Yeah, yeah no, there's been really some shockers, bad. and and it's not yeah. a it's it's not a requirement to finish the book, only because I refuse to. If um I if I if I'm not enjoying a book, I I just think life's too short to waste time on reading yeah. a book that you're not enjoying. That's yeah. my motto anyway, and that doesn't go for everybody. Cassie's actually um, one of the uh, only two members, or possibly three, that will read. The Everything. book from cover to cover, right. regardless of how, how bad, bad it is. is. I've okay. got to finish it, which, yep, is, yep. which is crap. I don't know why I do that because some of the crap that we've read, I really should have ditched it <laughs> right. by page 12. But anyway. Right. <laughs> yeah. But another thing that's come out of it is um, our introduction of the journal, which has been a great um, thing to look back on. Mm-hmm. And we all write a brief summary of the book and, mm-hmm. and because it's been going – for such a long time, it's really um, interesting to read back on some it's of the hilarious. comments. It yeah, is really right. we could quote some for you, Paul. Yeah, <laughs> and Cassie did actually bring the. <laughs> I did read the journal. The journal. Yeah, it is quite funny. Everyone hates it. They right. hate doing the journal, and I'm the absolute stickler yeah. for making sure everyone writes in it. Um, but yeah, then when everyone reads it, it's like, oh, that's such a great idea. We love doing that. Yeah, I but think yeah. everyone would agree that yeah, it is, yeah. um, it is really funny. good to look back on. That's great. It's mm. a great yeah. idea. Mm. Have you lost any members along the way? Have you taken any new members yes, in? Yes, we have mm-hmm. lost um, quite a few mm-hmm. for different reasons. People have moved. Mm-hmm. We weren't quite the book club for them. We weren't academic enough. That mm. was, yeah. But mainly through mainly um, moving. Moving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. they've so moved out of the area. Yeah, can, can you ever see it ending? Not really. No, not in a hurry. Actually, Sue and I will just keep it going yeah. between the two of us. <laughs> out the last member to have moved out of um, Elphinstone um, is still actually driving from Gisborne oh, to okay. to attend our yeah. meeting. So yeah, that's how great the book club is. She just that's won't impressive. give it up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What? Are the benefits of being in a book club? What do you think? I think probably the priority is just getting together with like-minded people who love reading, who are at the same stage as life as each other. So, And that's been interesting. Like when we started seven years ago, our kids were all at primary school. So we had kind of all that in common Mm -hmm. then now they're teenagers they've left school they're working we have a lot of discussions about perimenopause now that we didn't have seven years ago (laughs) 
<laughs> uh, yeah, so it's kind of, it, I don't know, it's just sitting around with like-minded mm-hmm. friends and being there for a purpose. And we do, we love the books and we do have really good discussions. But Some better than others. Some, be- yeah, some way better than others. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know, just connecting with people, you know. That's great. Yeah. Because it's such a solitary experience reading a book. It must be nice to yeah. take it out into the open. Yeah. yeah. Like and the last book that you just touched on, A Little Life, um, I think for Cassie it was like a therapy session, mm. um, debriefing about that book because it did sound quite traumatic and actually that was one that I didn't – um, complete um, that I didn't finish, but and having um, heard the the discussion at book club, mm-hmm. I didn't feel so bad that I didn't complete it because yeah. it, it it did sound quite traumatic. And it was a really fat, fat, fat mm, book. Right. Yeah. It's nothing worse if you aren't enjoying it. I know. <laughs> I don't know why I did it. That was the one that yeah. I should have just put. But that's down. where you know your commitment is um, to be commended. Yeah. I think. It's very good. <laughs> and do you have any advice for anyone starting a book club? Um, the journal is, yeah, is a good thing to introduce. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I, I think having people similar mm-hmm. but not obviously all the same because it's great to have that diversity. Well, we're all so different too. Yeah. yeah but but kind of, the, I think being at the same point in our lives mm-hmm. i think that is a bonus um but yeah having like and we are all really really different people so it, it is great to get that different perspective on a book and a different perspective on the story some people love you know some of them and and some people we'll despise argue. them. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah but i think what both. we had in common was the fact that we all had kids that at um, the yeah. same primary school, and then it sort of evolved from that. And um, you know, and we're, and we're still with people that live in the area, so we've got Elphinstone in common, if nothing else. Yeah, mm. and I think also you have to be committed. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, there's not we not many people miss a book club. Like, it's pretty rare yep. that someone misses one. So you kind of just have to whack it in your diary, mm-hmm. and yeah, that's book club. Slash therapy night. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. Depending <laughs> on the great. book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's great. Um, Sue, Cassie, thank you so much for coming in and giving us a, an insight into that world. You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah, good to be here. Us. Thanks, Paul. Thank you.
Shedshaker Brewing is bringing beer home to Castlemaine. We've created a range of fresh, handcrafted, small-batch craft beers brewed with passion and dedication. You can choose from 10 taps of lager, IPA, and more at the Tap Room on Walker Street, open Tuesday to Sunday, with live music every Friday night and Sunday Arvo, and delicious gourmet pizza from Thursday. Stop by and say hi to Doug, Jacqueline, and the team at Shedshaker Brewing, a proud sponsor of Main FM. 94.9. Feel the love. Pleasure to be here, by the way. Thank you very much for... It is a pleasant evening, and uh, and your company makes it even more so. Uh, shout out to the text line zero four triple eight six three one eight six. Shout out to all the socials in one. That's a done. That's just a, a hit on that button. Yeah. Anyone who's responded on the socials, just shout out to you. Yeah, just done. Everything. Done. All the social stuff done. Done. Putting community into radio. You're listening to the Quiet Carriage on ninety four point nine Main FM. That was Krongben there, featuring Leon Bridges, with their track, Texas Sun. And that is unfortunately all we have time for this week. A big thank you to my guests, Holden Shepherd and the Elphinstone Book Club. You can follow me on Twitter, at Paul J. Laverty, and also on Instagram, on Mr. Paul J. Laverty, to keep up to date with what's going on with the show. Um, Please remember also you can catch this episode and all previous episodes from last year now on Spotify and Google Podcast. Podcast, rather. Please join me next week. I'll be catching up with Castlemaine-based literary events organizer and bookseller Northern Books. And I'll also be playing an interview they did with Tara June Winch, all about her new novel, The Yield. I'll leave you now with Moat and their song Jolo. And until next week, keep reading.